I can enjoy. Back in 1990, I was cast in a play in Montreal, a two-hander, about two young men in a relationship. It was called The Night Before, and not many people saw it. I barely remember it, except I told an old friend of mine then that I was playing a gay man, and he said, oh, I couldn't do that. Is there kissing? There wasn't. You couldn't do that? I said. You could if you were an actor. Nah, he said, I'll play different parts, you know. I could play a young prince, say, but not a gay guy. Never a gay guy. It took me a while to formulate my answer to that. Finally, I said, I think what you're describing isn't someone who wants to be an actor. It's someone who wants to be a young prince. I'm already off topic. But here's what brought that up. My wife and I started watching Stranger Things on Netflix this week. It's been the flavor of the month on social media, which is usually enough to keep me away from it. But it has so much that should and does appeal to me. Nerdy kids adventuring, a 1980s setting, and the soundtrack to match. An X-Files Super 8 vibe, all of which, which is as much reason to criticize as endorse the thing, actually. But I'm only a couple of episodes in so far, and I'm not here to review it. There will be no spoilers. But one little thing, one seemingly little thing, really got me thinking after the second episode ended the other night. The show is set, we see at the top of episode one, in the fall of 1983. You see, I remember the fall of 1983 very well. And they do such a job of recreating it, getting the styles and the gadgetry and the cars on the street just right, people smoking all over the place, without making it a cartoon version of the time. It feels accurate. And so much praise has been heaped on the synthy theme music, too, which is fine. It's when we get into the use of the hits of the day that I feel my eyes begin to narrow, my lips to purse. The use of the clash, doing should I stay or should I go, is a little on the nose. But I have to say I'm surprised I haven't seen it appear on film before, so what the hell. Would teens at a pool party be listening to modern English do I melt with you? Sure, I buy it. But there's the first red flag. I Melt With You is remembered by fans of the 80s teen movie catalog for its use in Martha Coolidge's Valley Girl, the movie that helped make Nicolas Cage a star. And here's the thing. The writer-director-creators of Stranger Things are Matt and Ross Duffer, twins, born in early 1984. They clearly love the era, and I know, love the films and music, too. As do I. But look, closing the second episode with the Bangles cover of Simon and Garfunkel's Hazy Shade of Winter. They may as well have used Drake's hotline bling. It couldn't have felt less appropriate to me. Well, no, even I could argue the merits of using it. It's a great cover of a decent song. It evokes the 80s, but isn't as dated as Walk Like an Egyptian. It's also suitably eerie. Though the setting is fall, not winter, but that's me being too literal. I know. But, but, 
as a card-carrying member of the Bengals fan club since the fall of 1984, believe me when I tell you their version of Hazy Shade of Winter was only released in 1987. Late 1987. You can argue that three years isn't that big a deal, and I will tell you you are as wrong as a human being can be. Look, was the three-year span between you at 13 and you at 16 at all a big deal? Yeah? Did some big things happen between those years? I don't want to keep going back to the same well here, but three years is the span between Please Please Me and Tomorrow Never Knows. It's huge. It's slow dancing to journeys faithfully versus Guns N' Roses, sweet child of mine. And no matter the merits of the story, the Duffers went to all that trouble to give us a pretty convincing version of 1983. Realistic brand walkie-talkies. To slap on Hazy Shade of Winter at the end of episode two, like, what, like it doesn't matter? I could add, it's yet another song from another hit movie of that same era, Less Than Zero. Maybe that point becomes secondary because it's so egregious to me that they would do this. But no. No, wait. It isn't secondary. It's to the point. It is the point. This is what I was saying to my buddy in 1990. You don't want to be an actor. You want to be a prince. Well, do the Duffers want to tell interesting and original stories? Or do they want to play movie karaoke? A Spielberg reference. A John Carpenter reference. A nod to Stephen King and Super 8 and the X-Files, a little freaks and geeks and... Come on, there are so many great songs from the early 80s that have never been used in a movie. You have to take two from other movies? I'm only two episodes in. I expect this from Tarantino, but at least using Bowie's Cat People putting out fire in Inglorious Bastards, a move I hated, by the way, was ballsy. This is just lazy. Or inept. And it takes me out of the story, and it keeps me up wondering why. As someone who has tried his hand at writing and recording in music and theater and film, I also know this ain't easy. This might even be the sort of knock I've taken in the past myself, so I'm not unsympathetic to what these guys have to juggle. I'll still watch the rest of the season. There's a lot to enjoy in it. And the Bangles are out on tour this summer. Maybe using a few seconds of their cover will bring some new fans to their shows. I wouldn't begrudge them that. But if the Duffers pull that kind of stunt again, my wrath will rain down upon them with the white-hot intensity of a trillion suns. Pretty Much, Episode 62, Prettier Things, written and read by Scott Clarkson, music by Garner Firebird. <laughs>